we were still feeling like we had to help God and we had to rescue and we had to put ourselves even aside. Like we would sacrifice a lot of our, our health and well-being to do to do more and fight more and work harder. I think God was stirring up this new path, but it was really hard for us to let go of the old path of wanting to serve the family, seeing how what we thought was the plan forward. How can we look past our weaknesses to discover the greatness that God is working within us? Can we find a balance between the various roles that God has called us to play? In this episode, Thomas and Christina Yep share how, by putting the grace of their matrimony at the center of their apostolate, they've been able to accompany Catholic entrepreneurs in their mission to transform the world. We're in a victory that we've already won, and the urgency is based on the love of a father. It's not because the world is ending and it's all going to pot. It's because the father's love is so desirous of every single soul created, no matter in the point of their life that they see the light of the world or that they don't. He values it so highly that he can't help but want to create and bring many, many, many more avenues to reach for us to reach him or him to reach us. Christian leaders are called in a special way to radiate God's will in every aspect of life and to light the path for others to do the same. This is Living the Call. Thomas and Christina Yap, welcome to the show. We're so grateful to be here with you. Thank you for having us. If I can use a legitimate theological term, I'm stoked to have you guys on because, uh, very California, right? That's where we met. But but because um, I really love talking to you guys, and for a number of reasons, you're, you're super hopeful and very entrepreneurial and super busy and just full of zeal, and I just really love it. But also because this episode marks a very auspicious occasion on the show, I've never had a couple on as a guest. We Ooh, love yeah, working yeah. together. Exactly. If there <laughs> were glasses, you could ka-ching them, and yeah. we can't. It's a podcast. So you guys are breaking are breaking new ground, which is uh, which is always great. Yeah. Always yeah. great to have. Now I know we normally would have done this uh, in in California, Los Angeles, where we met, but you guys recently moved, so we're doing this remotely. But thank God we've been given the technology to be able to carry out this conversation. So just really great to have you. One yeah. of, one of the things that I that I just thought was an interesting maybe jumping off point, and it relates to what I just said about you guys being a couple, is that at least as long as I've known you, and we're just beginning our, our relationship, but I've always, you know, you, you, you guys are always together, and you're always, you know, sort of in each other's, uh, you know, phrases and thoughts, and you're kind of completing one another. And I think that's really cool, especially given what you guys spend all day doing, which is, you know, running Archetype and House of Royals and all these great businesses and being a source of, you know, inspiration and growth for other people trying to do the same. And I, I've never seen that, you know I mean, I've never seen like the couple thing together. Is that something that you guys always knew you'd be doing or is it just like a byproduct of of the journey? (laughs) What a question. Yeah, I know. It's a good question. Uh, We both have, you know, really, really solid sets of parents. And um, actually both parents were also entrepreneurial and had the opportunities to work together. And so I think that that probably was something that we dreamed of doing. You know, when you marry your spouse, you want to enjoy your spouse, right? You want to enjoy everything about them and you want to see their gifts and also the areas that you bring your own gifts to compliment. So for us, yes, it's been amazing, amazing to do. When we first started dating, that was one of the things that attracted me 
me to Thomas was his holy ambition. And I know it's really, I don't know if this is the right word. What's a Christian way of saying it's evolved, but God has grown it within him in, in different ways where like, you know, John the Baptist, it's become less about us, much less about our, our contribution and way more about God's call. We always knew that we wanted to do great things for God. And when you're young, that's, that's your psychology. That's how God designed you to do heroic things for him. Um, so it was good. It's all, it's all holy desires. It's all placed there, but God purified it a lot. Yeah, but, but when we got together, that was, I was so like, this is so exciting. This guy wants to, he has great ideals, but it's all, it's all like souls focused. It's all kingdom focused. And for me, that's where my heart was too. So that really drew us together a lot. That, that's a powerful motif about the idea that, you know, I must decrease, he must increase. And I will, I, I will affirm what you said about your husband that when I first met him and it was in a conference, this kind of like random kind of meeting on the way to something. I think we had a conversation about like 12 things in the span of six minutes. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is a guy whose brain is moving. And it's like, there's a lot of stuff going on. So I can definitely attest to that. Has there been a moment though, because I, I'll say it this way. Um, as a person who's also entrepreneurial and, and, and run my own business, that I, that sentiment of like, you want to enjoy your wife and your wife, you want to enjoy your husband sometimes leads you to the notion that, well, if we spend all day together and we're working all day together, that somehow it diminishes that time or conversely could impact the time that you actually are working together. Is that something you guys have been through? I've found it in most cases, it's a little bit of an illusion, frankly, that, that initial concern. But like, I'm just curious about you guys. That's a great question. I do think at first, um, well, we, we spent a lot of years with Thomas working primarily and me pitching in the background kind of, Mm -hmm. um, yes, he would work on various projects. I would give advice and then I bring in design skills. I think that's another thing that developed over time. So Mm -hmm. maybe because of the development, the organic development of it, it, kind of helped us not have because we didn't jump into it full time all the time together um it helped with the conflict to lessen the conflict but there definitely has been i'm in his space or it's been like it's been hard to define the lines between can you um run and pick up the kids can you get groceries who's cooking um Who's looking after the baby? Because I have a meeting. Well, but I, I have a meeting too, you know? Who bears the responsibility <laughs> for the bottom line, right? Who's yeah. going to do X, Y, and Z for each one of the companies, et cetera, right? And, and I, you know, it's, I remember reading a particular book where it talked about how, how sometimes the woman can distract the man because he needs focus. And that really helped me to not interrupt as much with, you know, small things about the household in the middle of work time thoughts. But then Thomas has also come around and been really become really flexible with Mm -hmm. how you can juggle a lot of things at the same time. What's what, what's the, what's the Genesis story for when you guys like, at what point in the chronology did you say, okay, we, we have these, these aspirations, these desires, we feel the Holy Spirit moving us in a particular direction. We see this as the kind of entry point or vantage point, and it's something we want to do together. Like, how, how did that even happen? 
Well, we were both raised around the church, involved in various not-for-profits, involved in many different apostolic projects. And I think our parents were always apostolic in everything that they did, whether it was running their own companies or also being involved with their local or national churches, right? We experienced the church through the guise of many, there's several different um, ecclesiastical movements. And I think that that really, around the same time as John Paul, you mentioned hope, John Paul has had such um, an impact on us, Cardinal George as well, uh, in terms of seeing the world with a view towards hope, a view towards mm. what God is doing. And I think that those seeds were really kind of cultivated very early on in ourselves. But we're, um, you know, we're seeing the, the, the fruition as we go, right? More and more. And so I think that that's probably where it came from. Yeah. And then and that was attractive to each other yeah. when we said we both sensed that about each other when we first started dating, right? Yeah, and then I remember so Thomas was working in a traditional company, worked for his family business and he loved it and the the business was amazing and very impactful as well, but we started discerning um like different talents that we had or inspirations that we had, we started to notice that there was like a separation happening. It kind of started happening when the company was asking, what's our fundamental why? And Thomas started saying, well, what's my fundamental why? And I don't think this syncs up anymore. And that was actually a really hard time because it was like, how do I leave mm. this beautiful company that is my parents' legacy and um, at this, and honor that, and at the same time, separate out and try mm -hmm. something on my own. Um, and at that point, we were still feeling, this is the, the John the Baptist reference, but we were still feeling like, th this is kind of vulnerable, but we, we were still feeling like we had to help God, and we had to rescue, and we had to put ourselves even aside, like the good of our family aside to do apostolic good work, and, um, mm. sacrifice a lot of our our health and well-being to do to do more and fight more and work harder and it became kind of workaholic and also it got to a point where then we started to be tense and argumentative at home and our kids were feeling like mom and dad are not happy but it was all like a restlessness that um I think God was stirring up this new path but it was really hard for us to let go of the old path of wanting to serve the family seeing how what we thought was the plan forward and so we did make that break and we took some time off um, working on a separate project and during that project we spent months in adoration it was just like daily and at one point i was praying and i had this huge revelation Mm -hmm. It's going to sound really small but for us it was really impactful where i i told i came back and i was like thomas god just told me we need to change our prayer we need to stop hmm. saying, God, help us do this, help us do this, help us do this, and like describing the thing that we think needs to be done. And we need to start saying, well, ultimately, if we go way back behind that prayer, what is our desire? Well, our desire is, Lord, you've given us so much formation. You've given us so much like spiritual privilege in our life. We would really like to do something for you. We're probably not coming up with the right thing ourselves. You probably have something better in mind. So if you could just show us what that is and then use us. So we started wow. to pray that like every day. Please, yes. Lord, we want to do something for you. Please show us what it is. 
Wow. I mean, that's there, there's a ton there. I mean, well, first of all, the, the notion that, you know, when God speaks to us, oftentimes it is in the small, in the simple, in the basic, or something that just feels like an insight, like a whisper. It's not a grandiose, complex narrative necessarily, like it, it usually yes. isn't, isn't that case. That's one thing that comes to mind and how, and, and it is, it's been true in my life as well. The other thing by what you just shared, Christina, that I think is super interesting is that this idea of like feeling that, you know, you're doing something and you're devoting a lot of time and energy to it, but somehow it doesn't feel necessarily like it's an integrated reality with all the other aspects of your life. And you feel a lack of, of sort of like completeness, a lack of fullness. I've been, I've been really getting into St. Thomas More lately, and like, you know, I didn't know much about him, but this, the, he's kind of the saint of integration, right? And the reality of it is, is that when we're hitting on all the cylinders and we're really, you know, doing God's divine and perfect will, it's a about a full integration of all these different aspects, and yet how many people, like honestly, and I was one of them for years and years and years, how many people live their lives going like, I've got my little compartment here, yes. and I've got my little compartment here, yeah. and then, you know, occasionally I've got this other thing, but they're, but they're different things in a way. It's kind of a fractured way of living, yeah. right? And sometimes I have to go through something, you know, that feels bad in order to get at that realization. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. One of the most impactful things for um, was when a spiritual director of mine, he started talking to me in terms of like, well, what is your vocation statement, right? And really you start, we are all sons and daughters of God, right? And that's even kind of the genesis of what we understood and wanted to communicate to our children in the foundation of some of a company like Royals, right? Is that we are all sons and daughters of God first and foremost, right? Talk about the value and the dignity of life. But from there then I come as my call to be husband and then father and then all that I do on a professional and business and apostolic level is is necessarily kind of below here, right? Mm. It's not that I need to like focus on all of these first in order to be perfect here and then I'm going to be able to be fruitful on this level, right, of the of the apostle or business professional. But if we order our thinking a little bit and then allow that allow God to integrate himself into everywhere, every part of our life in a very, like, um, simple but rightly ordered way, the fruit becomes that much more exponential, right? So I have to, like, I'm one of those guys that really needs that formula, right? So I'm constantly repeating yeah. every time I walk into the chapel, I am son of God, I am husband, I am father, right? I'm husband of Christina, I'm father to all of these children, etc., right? And then here's my apostolic project and the investments that I'm doing, right? But that, but that formula, I mean, is like, that's gold. It's you know, so if you gold. think about it, my wife, one time when I, because I've gone in my career through a bunch of, I'm sure like you guys have these kind of dark nights of the soul and, yeah. and these different moments. And I remember one time in particular, we have this um, kind of like, uh, you know, this piece of furniture in our master bedroom and it's got, a, you know, a big mirror that's on top of it. And one time during one of these kind of dark nights of the soul, my wife literally drew like a waterfall. You know, and she said to be a man of God and she just put it in priority. Like God was like the first, it's like an org chart, right? It's like yeah. God and then yeah. husband yeah. and then father. And then there was like all these little like smatterings of small little satellites below yeah. that. Yeah. And, and when I get out of whack, it's because one of those little satellites is like usurped 
the the the, the top thing. Totally true. But but like I t- I completely took for granted the fact that those simple formulas are precisely the kind of things that maybe this is more of a of part of the male genius and the female genius. But for for men in particular, at least I found that having that like. Oh yeah, there is an order to this. It, it really is soothing in a way. Like when you get anxious or you get fret about the future or whatever it may be, really orienting yourself to that has been hugely helpful yeah. in my life. And and we don't often say it. I mean, that's yes. the simplicity of God. Yes. yes. So and you know what? I, with witnessing Thomas go through that transformation, because it used to be out of order, it used to feel like professional and apostle were at t- at the top, and that's what. It sound. It was the enemy. It sounded and looked like that's so what good. God wanted. Mm. You know, it it seemed like that would be it. And then, of course, you you would never say out loud, "I'm putting my work before my family." But in behaviors and actions, that's really what we were doing. I was too. I can't. I can't. Mm. He yes. uses the formula. For me, it was like more intuitive pro- progress and growth. But. Um, but I also was just in admiration of my husband when he he was on retreat when he stumbled upon that and came back and he began to de- like declare it over himself and mm. go to prayer every day stating this because it completely changed his his choices, his everyday choices and his everyday behaviors. What am I going to do in this situation? The most mundane situation you could think of. Well, what would son of God do? What would husband to Christina do? What would, you know, father to these beautiful children do? What, what would the apostle do? What would the professional do in that order? Mm. And it, it, it little by little began. I know this was the grace of God working through that. So yes. it's not the formula itself yes. ever. It's it's God, you know, His presence through it, through the, through what you said of Saint Thomas More, like the integration of the person yes. in a rightly ordered way, because that's how He's made us to be, like rightly Him. Ordered. We had so many wounds. We had so much baggage. I would never want anybody that listens to this to think that we didn't have all of those things because there's like. There's like such a history of of mess and conversion and God putting things right and um, but the that order like with His grace started restructuring our thoughts mm-hmm. and healing. That's where I'm going with this is healing mm. those wounds that we had been trying to. We've been at begging God to get rid of out of our you know like that that thorn of Saint Paul like I. I oh yeah, get rid of it. Hang up. I have right. an addiction. I have right. a habit. I have a like pattern of sin. I don't want to be like this. And I'm supposed to be doing ministry to other people. How could I ever do that when I'm still like stuck in the mire? My, which of course you can. That's a whole other topic. But but God began healing through that whole process. Well, and that's the kind of counterintuitiveness of God, too, in a way, is that, you know, the, the, it's almost like, you know, the Jesuits have this this philosophy called agere contra, right, yeah. which maybe you've, you've heard of, which is like, just do the opposite of whatever it is you feel you're doing, because oftentimes that's the way of God that, that presents himself in those things that would be the last thing that you would pick. Yeah. I think about this a lot, um, you know, I do spiritual direction and stuff, and um, oftentimes when people come to me and they're feeling a tremendous amount of anxiousness, or they're very, you know, oriented, very fear-based 
based, very, you know, worried about the future, those kind of things. Oftentimes, what in practice has gotten them out of that state is to actually focus on how they minister to other people, mm-hmm. which when you're in that moment, it's about the last thing you can think of doing. Right. It's like, wait a minute, I don't have my stuff together. Yes. How's it possible that I'm going to be able to minister and help others? Yes. But it's through that oftentimes, A, because we get out of our own selves, yes. right? get out of our own way and kind of like focus on, on, on the good of, of, an, of somebody else. Yes. And, and, and oftentimes just because, you know, we kind of clear enough bandwidth so that God can communicate to us because we're so just fixated on a thousand different things that it's hard to hear, you know, when God talks to us in those moments, because we've got so much things, so many things just going on. Yes. 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 It's so true. And you, all- and you know, that often happens, you know, again, like going back to working as husband and wife, you know, one of the, one of the secrets or one of the things that's helped us rather has been, is been sacramental life. Right. And uh, I'm going to go to the sacrament that you're not thinking of, but it's the sacrament of reconciliation. How many times we're in a tiff or we're disagreeing over something and it gets escalated and we both have that realization at some point, you know, when my, when my anger has kind of died down and I'm a little bit more calm, etc. right? It's like, oh, you know what we need to do? Let's go back to confession. And we go together, right? Obviously we go individually, but we're there together in the church and there's a lot of grace in that, right? Yeah. Also grace in the sacrament of our marriage, right? And so, you know, there's, there's all these supernatural graces that we can we can tap into and yeah. we know how to ask for those graces, how to activate them or ask the Holy Spirit to activate them in, in us in order to help us get through those hard moments because the hard moments are there, right? No one's going to come here and say, well, it's easy to do. No, it's not, right? There's a reason why the, the, the storyline of the world is that husband and wife shouldn't work together. You should have your separate spaces, do your own thing, etc., right? Because it is legitimately difficult, mm-hmm. right? Of course. But it also can be done with... Well, it's also, in a way, kind of a source of great strength. It's, the, it's exactly the thing that gives you the, 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 the sort of the, 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 the sacramental grace conduit to actually do all of the, the difficult things that end up coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go back, Christina, to something you said a moment ago, um, because it's an interesting subject, and that is this idea that when you guys were going through some of these difficulties or you didn't find yourself in that kind of more full, fully integrated manner of living, you, you said something about the enemy kind of like present something as as looking very attractive looking very good right and this is a hallmark of you know kind of really the, the spiritual life and 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 maybe the spiritual battle is that things that are presented when the, when the enemy attacks and when he does things he doesn't present like a boogeyman mask right. or like it looks like halloween it looks like something that's like oh yeah that could be good yeah. but it's just got that one deformity and it, it, you can tell it isn't exactly the way you're supposed to go, but it looks attractive enough to potentially follow. Is there is there an example that you were thinking about when you brought that up specifically, or have you noticed that dynamic in your in your own walk? You have something in mind, an example of something like that for us. I'll I'll give you just one totally out there example. Yeah. Okay, and this is this this is just to make the point, but maybe give you guys a chance to think about this. So my my brother is is a priest, and he's also involved in deliver in the ministry of deliverance, yeah. right? And there's a recent case that we were talking about where a, a young boy actually saw a saw something that ended up being not good. Okay, but he he saw something, and what was presented was 
what looked like his brother, his younger brother. But it looked exactly like his younger brother, except for there was, you know, he had these like really long like nails. It was kind of a really freaky thing that, 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 he, that he told me about. But so it looked exactly like him, but there was just that one little thing that was like, wait a minute, that's actually not you. And then you think about the lives of the saints. St. Padre Pio is an example. Is like tons of documented cases where like, you know, somebody would come to his door and it looked like his brother. Mm-hmm. And, but it wasn't, yeah. you know, it was like, there was like, it's like that, uh, that the Superman villain that like looks like him, but his face is all angled, you know? Yeah. And it's it's something like that, but oftentimes in life, especially in professional life, when things like power, position, money, title, all those things can be put in front of us, they can look like they're desirable and good, mm-hmm. but they may not be where God's taken you. This is literally like our our favorite topic of conversation. Yes, I know. <laughs> oh, good. It's like good. trying to figure out like where to go with it is because there's so much that's involved in spiritual warfare and what we've experienced and manifestations of the enemy coming at us with good things and with bad things. And, um, one of the things that I really felt inspired right before jumping on this conversation with you that I thought somebody out there needs to hear this and it's related in a way is that I really, I don't know if you're observing this in your ministry, I feel like Jesus, the King, um, the Father with the heart of the Father and the Holy Spirit with his like power and um, gifts is coming at our world. And I think they're coming to set the captives free. I think Mm. there's like a big revival that's happening um, in people's hearts with regard to the Eucharist and um, the sacraments. It's interesting because in our world right now, um, you have to share the thing about the the increasing decrease of the of the kingdom of God oh, versus yes. Satan. But yes. um, in our world, it's it looks right now very noisy, very it's like a very loud screaming child that looks really, really, really bad, you know. But it's the devil is a master of deception. Um, he is lying to us. There is not a, the level of crisis that we are experiencing. Of course, there's. Of course, I understand the suffering in the world and, and the crisis that is going on. But what we don't, maybe all of us realize, is that is just distraction. It's a distraction from what's really going on. You know, underneath all of that is a whole. I believe, and I've I've seen witnessed a whole generation of people who are actually being touched by God, and they're being set free. They're being delivered from from the um, the bondages that they've gotten themselves in through sin, through mixing with idolatry of the modern world, like witchcraft and crystals and yoga and all these things that that open people up. These stories and uh, that people read and the occult influence in our products. And I think that like all of that, people are being set free from that. And they're starting to come back to Christianity and God's working in and outside of structures. I think he's just like doing this work. Um, God is with his people. Yeah. From the point of, and what you were referencing is from the point of the proclamation of the kingdom, when Christ starts proclaiming and then he sends out his apostles and they come back and they're all excited because he says, I've seen Satan fall from the skies. Right. From that point in, in history, in time, Christ's kingdom is, cannot help but be established and grow and expand. Right. We were talking about this the other day. Uh, and therefore, 
right, by simple conclusion, Satan's kingdom, which was of this world, established at the fall of Adam and Eve, is decreasing. Right. So now, you know, the narrative that we get told or we want to believe oftentimes is a lie of a narrative, a distraction. Right. That Satan somehow in everything and in in, and we're seeing his expansion of power. But really, we are seeing that. But if we look with eyes of faith. Right. So then going back to your original question of the good that often becomes the distraction. When entrepreneurs come to us, right, at Archetype, with us and our other partners, one of the first things that we do is discern with them, is there a legitimate call, right? Because mm. oftentimes, even within the church, there's there are so many people of goodwill, right? And oftentimes, the people of goodwill are saying, oh, well, I want to do something about this, right? And then it comes to, well, I want somebody else to do something about this. This is just a problem that I think of, right? Or you have the opposite, where I'm going to do something about this, and then you do a little bit more discovery, and you realize, wait, this person's family is in shambles, right? They're not really able to do X, Y, and Z. There's a whole human level. And we go back to Aquinas, who said, grace builds on nature. On nature. Right? Oftentimes, the nature needs to be put more intact first, for that grace to continue to fill it up and stop falling through, right? Mm. And so I think that's probably a lot of the uh, deception or things that we've had to, in our own lives, discern through, right? Yeah, we- well, and that, and, that, and that touches on what you said earlier about, you know, this sense of hope and how important that is. Because, in fact, from that moment, right, from that moment when Christ proclaimed the kingdom of God, like, we've been on the road to victory. Yes. So, therefore, like, you should be really hopeful. But yes. if the devil is nothing else, he's a hell of a marketer. You know what I mean? So, like, he... <laughs> That's a great way. He he can sell like an incredible vision yeah. of things, and and that and that doesn't detract, right, Christina, to what you said. It's like not that there's not bad things. Of course there are, yeah. right? Because we've got free will, but yes. we will be. We are victorious. Yes. We are. It's like we're on our way to that. Yes. Yes. Definitely. And flipping everything on its head, right? Like John Paul said that uh, man is not the sum of his weaknesses, but the sum of the Father's love. If mm. if we were to actually look in percentages, right? What percentage of you, Deacon, are your weaknesses? Or what percentage of me, Thomas, or Christina is our weaknesses? Those moments where we fall, right? And I, the devil is so good at getting us to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And then he destroys any momentum we have, any desire to do anything good, when the reality is that might be 99% of what we are is actually the good of what God is. Well, and if He can keep you sick, poor, distracted, you know, thinking about your misery, you're... That's all you can think about is survival mode. You're not able to do your mission in life, your assignment from God. You know, and the devil's thrilled about that. He's like, keep thinking about all your sin. Yes. Don't think Mm -hmm. about God's mercy. Right. There, there's there's two things that come to mind, and I I do have I, I do want to speak about specifically the mission field you guys have focused right the, the the your apostolate as as it were. But just on that last point, two things that come to mind. I love your thoughts on them. Number one is you brought to mind Thomas and what you just shared about the sum of the bad things versus the sum of like who you really are. Right? There's a Jesuit. 
priest here in Los Angeles who's run a uh, gang intervention program for a very long time, Homeboy Industries. It's very well known. And, you know, he does a lot of a lot of things and, 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 and they've done a tremendous amount of good. But I've met him and he's shared with me in all of his years of, of doing this work, the single line that has resonated the most with people who are formerly gang members or, you know, had this criminal background. And the line is this, you are not your worst mistake. Mm-hmm. And he said to me that that is a line that has impacted more, you know, has brought those people more to the knowledge of what you just described, which is when I add up all these things that maybe I've done wrong, that is not the, the sort of totality of, of, of who I am. Yes. And then the other thought really quickly goes to the, some of the work that we do. We work with homeless families mm-hmm. um, and, and that idea of survival mode, survival mode is another way of saying distraction is really what it is because you're constantly thinking about what comes next and you're very rarely in the moment yes. and in the moment is where god is yes right. yes absolutely right wow the yeah, well, you know, it's you get you get some things again back to the simplicity of God, right? It's like those little insights, and they can they they really move the needle quite a bit, especially yeah. in ministry. Yeah. I want to I, I want to talk a little bit though about the the mission field you guys have picked specifically because everything that you've talked about is obviously all true, and we have to have hope. And we, you know, we have to focus on this victory path that we're on right now, this victory march. Mm-hmm. You have chosen like. A specter of that ministry in you know in things like you know business and accelerating entrepreneurs and all these different things that maybe a lot of people would look at and go well I don't know if that's the first place I would think of you know like let's go you know feed the poor and you know deal with people who are broken but you know this is a thematic of mine that I've been on for quite a while that I really believe that that is a very powerful mission field at this time and and place in history right now can you can you talk about that like the mission that you guys like where you're exercising this apostolate and and why that is sure so you know the goal of archetype really is to be the um, the rocket fuel uh, necessary by virtue of the fact that we live in the world to those entrepreneurs that the Holy Spirit's already inspiring, right? It's very theological if you think about it, that that we believe that God is in everything, always bringing about a greater good for those who love him, right? Like St. Paul tells us. And so if we look at the world and we look at this, this idea of the creator God, right? Eminently creative. He cannot help but create because he's just so full of love and passion and goodness, right? And so he's constantly inserting himself into the world. And we look at the great things that have come out of the church. They all start with a human person who's been inspired in a dream and in a mission, etc., to do something good in the human economy for him with a greater impact than just, you know, the, the time that they're in, the time and space, right? And so one of, part of our foundation story was that we, having lived around apostolic projects, we realized, well, what are some of the things that those entrepreneurs need? They need funding, and they also need co-management. They need help, advisory, right? Uh, to a little bit like spiritual direction, if you could, but from yeah. people that have the expertise in the business world to surround them. And, and I know that there are other people out there that are doing this, and you've participated with them as a business coach. But we want to surround those people, find them, be, so that they're not lost. The seeds that get planted in the parable of the seeds, we want them to find fertile ground 
not only in their own soul, but also in the support structure that we put them in. So without having a large, extensive background in, in private equity or in venture capital, we decided to kind of just set out. And we had a number of partners that also decided to set out with us to create an equity fund that could both fund give necessary capital to those entrepreneurs and then also at the same time help them by walking alongside them as they decide to grow and build the mission as as a mission evolves right the holy spirit's so good and that he doesn't always give us the full vision at the very moment that he calls right he calls he waits for our yes and then's like oh well let, now let me expand it a little bit more so for sure you know, we, we probably we, right? we couldn't handle it you know yeah. I, i've said i've said this line from scripture many times because it applies in almost every case is that Jesus Jesus said to us, there's so much I have to show you, but you cannot bear it now. Yes. I mean, it's like he could give you the whole thing, but then our brains would probably melt. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Would, yeah. And we know that there are moments in history, in human history, where the the church was contributing in a very positive way towards the overall culture. And we want to return there. So how do we return mm. there? Well, we put our weight behind those people that the Holy Spirit's been inspiring in order to help them accomplish the mission that they've been given. Given, trusting then that the Holy Spirit's idea of goodness, of bringing his salvific love to the billions of people that are created in the world, uh, is already intact. And we don't have to control mm. it. We just got to do what we can, right? Yeah. Is is that sentiment at the heart of like something like House of Royals, too, this idea of kind of finding you know, things that are beautiful and good and kind of m making them manifest. So for those, and yeah. you, obviously you can, you can share what House of Royals is about, but I'm a customer of yours and I can tell you that like seeing beautiful things beautifully wrought is itself a evangelistic tool, yeah. right? Especially when something like this is behind it. Yes. Yes. Our, it's the both of both of our companies have come from the exact same um inspiration and um you know i was going to share when thomas was talking just back to the origins when we were you know still feeling like we needed to help god and rescue and, um but part of that was an inspiration to do things Obviously, this is from the Holy Spirit. It's not from us. I was about to say, I don't even know where this came from. No, I totally do know where it came from. But it wasn't. It wasn't naturally us to think this way. It was formed in us a little bit by in our youth. But um, just to think to ourselves, okay, so how could we have the greatest possible impact? And by we, I mean God, right? Like as His hands, His feet in this earth, it would be good to start one company. Imagine if we can empower many companies. Yes. Because mm. what is it when the enemy holds holds space in all of these different dimensions of our societies and our culture, he takes ownership and he resides there and nobody has kicked him off his seat, you know? And we're like, but the king is on the throne. So he has rights over all of this. And we, as his divine image, we have authority and rights over this earth. That's, that yes. was our, you know, it was bequeathed to us. It was given as an inheritance to us. And and so we need to take it back. So that was that was one of the things that yes. that the Holy Spirit placed inside of us that kind of fired us up, you know, the, um, that kept us going in all the really late nights of startups and um, oh, yeah. changing jobs and what are we going to do? You know, kids 
throwing up this week and, um, <laughs> and still trying to work and, um, life changes. But it was that thought of like, God's kingdom needs to spread. How can we do this more efficiently? We could personally, but then we also looked at our giftings and we're like, we could personally try to go do this, but we're not very good at doing that specifically. But we're really, <laughs> Thomas is, yes. is very highly gifted in wonder and enablement of other people's visions and missions and getting, being like wind. He's like God's breath and word behind them and just like guiding them, but also like accompanying and also very, very practically helping them hire, helping them set up systems, helping them get their sales engine up and running, you know, like, because he's good at that. But at a corporate level, it was, it was amazing. Like for the whole body, um, I think God just said exponential, um, thought processes Mm. here, you know, archetype is not that big yet, but, um, it'll be as big as God wants it. But our hope is that we can, we can fund and accompany and accelerate many entrepreneurs because somebody needs to accompany the called, you know, like and to just replicate. cheer them mm-hmm. on because it yes. is a lonely path when you're, it's, it is. Yeah. The loneliness of command for yes. sure. And it, it's, it's interesting. I've had a number of composers recently on the show, classical composers and other people who are in all different kinds of music ministry and songwriters and things like that. And one of the things that comes up inevitably in that conversation is recognizing whether or not you're a composer or an interpreter. Mm-hmm. And both of those things are beautiful gifts. Discovering them is really important, right? The composer is somebody who can sit down and look at the blank page and, you know, think of a melody and write it or, or, or whatever, you know, or be inspired by a libretto and create an opera or whatever it may be. But the interpreter is the one who gives that shape, who gives it, you know, volume and tone and feeling and emotion. And it's like, man, you need both of those things. That's why we have musicians that are not necessarily composers. And so I think about what you, that gift that you just described in your husband. how critical that is because it is lonely to get up every day and to run a company and to be, you know, to be that entrepreneur and worry about your employees and a thousand different things. And sometimes somebody from the outside who has that gift can come in and go, Hey, you know what here and kind of inspire you in that direction. And that's the way that the spirit works right through all of us. Yes. Yes. And so house of Royals also the origin of that. Um, it has a very similar background, but, um, one of the things that we really, it was, it came particularly from me as a mom. I, we had our first daughter and, um, I had a lot of nerves and anxiety when she was born. Um, I found myself like staying up, even though, you know, they say sleep when the baby sleeps. And I just, I couldn't overcome these, these fears of something's going to happen to her. Um, I really, and then I had the desire of like, well, I made really poor choices in my life. I started to be really afraid about um, having a child, bringing her into this world and worrying about what choices she was going to make and falling into sin, you know, different temptations that were just coming at me. Um, and we would do often, we spend a lot of time in prayer. And one of the things that started to come to me was, I just want to impart to her this privilege that I've been given of, of a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. That's all I really want. Mm. And I want to surround her with whatever she can, whatever I can do to encourage that and create even an environment of that for her, which I think is every parent's desire. So that was the very first awakening of House of Royals. And I knew what she was up against as well. Because mm. I knew what I had been up against and my parents and Thomas and 
Um, so that's where it began. And then imparting to her, her dignity. Um, and then I was looking for nursery decor and I was like, okay, how can I get her a swaddle? Which at the time, now there is actually quite a bit of Christian products out there that are really stunning and, um, of good quality. But at the time it was, um, you know, the Catholic influence on the arts has kind of fallen into like kitschy, um, bookstore products. And for me, I always have really been drawn to like, I'm an artist. I really appreciate quality and the classic beauty. And I was, I was loving these brands that were out there that were high end, but, and I had grandparents in the background who wanted to invest in something beautiful for our child, but I didn't know where to point them. So I said, okay, I need something with angels on it. I need something with Our Lady of Guadalupe on it. I need something with a sacred heart on it. I have such a love for the sacred heart. I think the sacred heart is the healer of, of all of the broken hearts that's why we have a sacred heart, not a sacred mind or a will. I know this is just a little tangent, but um, especially for women, I think women carry around a lot of broken heartedness and um, the sacred heart knows that you know, he understands because his is too. And that always brought me a lot of consolation. So I just kept thinking like, we've got to get this, this representation of love out there. And then it evolved even further into, um, it wasn't until, you know, several years later that we actually founded the company, which I didn't know that we ever would, but, um, it became house of Royals royalty. Um, I love that name dignity of the, the heir to the, you know, the son of, and the daughter of the King, um, the true King, which Mm. it brings about like several different feelings, right? It's, it's like, Yes, I completely believe in that. And then it also, I don't know, I've had a lot of responses where I think people don't feel deserving because they know who they are as well in their brokenness. Um, But you're still chosen. You're still, you still have, his image is like written upon you. If you were designed in the image, so you can't get rid of it. You can't, there's nothing you can do to like take God off of your, his image is just there. That's right. Yeah, Um, for sure. It's indelibly marked. My, my, my family is a kind of a veritable United Nations. We've got all different kinds of cultures represented in my, in my own family. And and a big sector of our family is a Caribbean. Um, And there's a, there's a song, one of my relatives introduced me to, um, it's actually by a, uh, I guess you would say Guianese, somebody from Guiana. I don't know how you call them, but it's kind of like a reggae song. And when I first heard House of Royals, I could I she introduced me to this song and it instantly I thought about this song and the lyric. I'll 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 put I'll put it in the show notes so people can actually listen to this. But but um the lyric of this song and it's a reggae song, so it's like super just danceable. And it says, My daddy is a king, so I am royalty. And it was like and I was like, What? You know, because like we just don't even think about this concept, like, oh yeah, my dad is the king of the universe. So what does that mean? me yeah you know what i mean and it's like of course you know it's just so natural it's yes. so true it's so true it's funny in adoration this morning i was like wrestling with a couple things right that i've been uh i've been having to face in a couple of the business projects that we're working on and i heard very clearly and almost like if we could hear like a santa claus like laugh christ was like chuckling oh, 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 oh. <laughs> right. because you think it has anything to do with what you can do yourself thomas and i'm like oh yes exactly there it is and there it is my the, daddy the daddy, right? <laughs> Royalty is, is given to us because we are 
in the image and likeness of God. Right. Yeah, and there's an authority yeah. that comes to us because of it. Right. That we can go out and we can crush the idols. You know, the gospel of today was amazing. I was reflecting on it. It's the um, it was the Christ having to cast out the demons in the, in the land of the Gerasenes. Right. Mm-hmm. It actually says that Christ, uh, the demon responds to him and and says, "Why are you torturing us?" And then there's in like parentheses that says, uh, "Because uh, that he was actually already saying, be gone, right?" Mm-hmm. And Christ himself has to then cast out the several times, right? But he has this authority, and that authority has been passed on to us to crush That's those right. idols, right? To bring to kind of incarnate him into this world and that's what we're called to do and that's why there's so much hope because we're we've been given the authority given the graces to do it right we gotta go do it (laughs) absolutely well it 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 reminds me i think we may have touched on this when we spoke thomas but it reminds me of another curious line from scripture when jesus tells his followers you will do greater things than this yes and it's like when when you consider that the vantage point of the person who's speaking that is god Like it's kind of it's kind of crazy to to uh, to uh, imagine. Um, but but before we get to our our kind of final segment here, I did want to touch on one subject um, that came up in our earlier call, Thomas. And I'd love to get your thoughts on both of your thoughts on this. And that is this idea of the spirit moving within the body of Christ as a whole. Yes. Right. You brought this up to me, and I think in relation to. The fact that, you know, oftentimes, and it's not, I'm not saying it's the majority, but sometimes those of us who are Catholic, who are involved in, in ministry or maybe have our own apostolates, et cetera, you know, anybody can develop a little bit of tunnel vision. But um, I wonder if you could touch a little bit on that in terms of the Spirit of God moving, you know, throughout the whole the body of Christ and, and what that means or what it should mean right now in our, in our time and place. So... Going back to the concept of discernment, you know, there's um, there's a call for all of us to have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? He's a personal God. That's something that stands out. Which we hear that a lot, but like he actually tells us to do that. It's, yes. it's in his word, you know. When, if God says come it, to me, you who yes. labor, right? There's he says, come so to me. My right? sheep know my voice. Exactly. You know, it's just like, he's very personal, yeah. right? So that means that if we take off, if you will, kind of the, the constructs of what it means to find other people or to find God, to find Christ manifest in the world. You know, if you were walking down the streets of LA, is there anything that would dictate to you what faith? what religion each person you walk past is actually professing, right? Mm. No, there's not. So what could you know? The person of Jesus Christ. Can you, can you see him present in every person you encounter, right? And the devil, you know, going back to his deception, he has all of us so, so focused on, you know, the, the, the differences that we have, say, even within the Catholic Church, right? The liberal versus the conservative, right? Mm-hmm. Or outside of the confines of the church, us versus the evangelicals or us versus the Protestants. Even the verses is anti-God yeah. because mm. God is one, right? So anything mm. that comes in and, and defies God being one and creation being one, we can assert that perhaps this is not from God, right? So if we open ourselves up then and and try to focus on that personal relationship with Christ, right? Getting to know him, getting to know his sacred heart, how he loves. Then we start to have our eyes kind of 
opened to what he is doing within our brothers and sisters, whether they be Catholic, whether they be evangelical, whether they be Protestant, and seeing that perhaps that 1% difference that we all focused on as the thing that separates us is in fact a deception because the body of Christ is unifying. I think one of the temptations that I've heard from a lot, or temptations or worries from a lot of Catholic Christians is that we're worried we're going to fall into heresy or we're going to be led astray into a theological um, error because because we want to be deep down again. I think God has really given us a gift or a wisdom to start asking, why do we ask, why do we feel those ways? Or why do we think like that? Because deep down, actually it's a positive. It's that I really want to be faithful. I really do love God and I would never want to do anything to injure that relationship. But as we've begun to even explore We've we've we have a lot of Christian friends of different denominations and we've we've discovered that the spirit is moving in them very, very violently, violent in a good way. You know, he is Mm -hmm. just manifesting himself all over the place and he's not he's not waiting for people to be um, in communion with the Catholic Church necessarily. Of course, our desire is that everyone would have, you know, experience the Eucharist, like, or understand that, you know, we can honor the Mother of God and still be worshiping God himself. But at the same time, um, there's like a power, like I was sharing before, like a, a setting free that's happening through all of them as well. And they're bringing Christ into our culture in yeah. ways that are giving us permission to then come in and harvest, you know? So for us, we've started to realize that um, some of those constructs may be getting in the way of, and and since God is one, I don't think that the Father at least this is my experience so far. As long as we are living in communion with our church and we are still studying the word, we are we know we get to know our own magisterium. It is highly uh, I I would say God is not going to let us let us fall. Let us mm-hmm. fall away. When we're connected with the sacraments, we have a communion with one another with our Catholic brethren. Um I think we can continue to unify. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. And I think that that is a, you know, it's always uh, in the spirit of the church, you know, ever ancient, ever new. But that's that message, even though we've been saying it for 2000 years, nevertheless, has maybe a a special urgency today in in a country and in a culture that, to your point, Thomas, you know, finds itself, you know, in in many cases divided or sub, you know, subdivided. And generally speaking, you know, division and accusation are tools of someone other than God. So, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good indicator. You're probably not, uh, you're not hearing the right voice if that's the area that you're focused on, but I think that's a really important message. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the propulsion of Vatican II was the, was the Christifying of the world right? Mm. Christifying of the world. And how is God going to do that? Well, how does he want to do that? He want, He's going to do it many ways. If you were a, strate- a strategist or a tactician, if you will, you know, you're going to come at it so many different angles, as many as possible, right? And so therefore, it's actually human reason to be able to look to see what the Holy Spirit is moving, not only within the confines of our Catholic Church, but within the confines of all of Christianity, and even what truth is he bringing out outside of that. Right. Because, you know, we're in a we're in a victory that we've already won. And the urgency is based on the love of a father. 
right? It's Amen. not because the world is ending and it's all going to pot. It's because the Father's love is so desirous of every single soul created, no matter Amen. in the point of their life that they see the light of the world or that they don't. He values it so highly that he can't help but want to create and bring many, many, many more avenues to reach for us to reach him or him to reach us. Hmm. Beautiful. I'm fired up. I don't know about you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Amen. I'm ready. I'm ready to go set the world on fire. All right. Before before we get to uh, wait, what our final segment? I want you guys to share with the folks listening ways that they can keep track of what you guys are doing. All the good work at Archetype. All the good stuff at House of Royals. Like, how should they follow your work? Be in touch. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, we have we have um, websites for each of those. We have Archetype Group. Um, we have an Instagram for archetype at archetype underscore underscore group, I think. And then, um, you can follow us at house of Royals. It's at house of Royals co. And we also have a website house of Um, we share on email list. We have lots of ways of connecting with people. And support all of the entrepreneurs that we've also invested yes. in, like Be A Heart or Ringlet, amazing, amazing comedy, <laughs> sacred image icons. These are all these entrepreneurs that we really feel have been given the inspiration to go out and, and be part of this, this uh, culture war. Yes, yeah, exactly. Kingdom yeah. expansion. Yeah. <laughs> Kingdom <laughs> expansion strategies. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love it. We'll include all of those uh, notes in the show notes so people can follow the great work that you're doing. And, you know, my, you know, my little prayer for the continued prosperity of all the work that you guys are doing in all of these different fronts and whatever else the Holy Spirit may line up for you guys in due time. Uh, it's been a real, real privilege to, uh, to chat about this and get to know more about you guys. Um, so continued prosperity in all of those respects to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And, and you likewise. as well. Yeah. Awesome. Are you guys ready to play Wait What? Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think All right. Now, now, we've never done this with two people, so you guys are going to have to determine, you know, it's a little bit like cheating, though, because there's two of you, yeah. right? So so I'll leave it to you if you want to take turns, you want to consult with one another. But... Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Here goes. We're going to get started nice and easy, okay? And we're going to start with a question about your new home state of Idaho. Okay. So, all right. Which of these is false? Which of these is false about the great state of Idaho? Is it A, it has been claimed that Idaho is the literal center of the universe? Is it B, Idaho has the only state seal in the U.S. to be designed by a woman? Or is it C, Boise lays claim to the world record for the largest breakfast counter on earth? <laughs> Oh my God. Which of which of those is false? It's the center of the universe. Its state seal was the only one designed by a woman. Or Boise has the largest breakfast counter on earth, no which is false. Idea. I'm gonna say A. Is that your final answer? <laughs> yes. Okay. That is sadly that's incorrect. Yes. Actually, yes. I was gonna say I bet Idaho thinks it's the center of the universe. <laughs> it, it, it turns out apparently the mayor of Wallace, Idaho, okay. he's a bit of an eccentric, and he's declared that Wallace, which by the way has a population of 800 people, is indeed the center of the universe, and they've they've dedicated a manhole cover that's made to mark the actual spot that is the center of the universe. Oh, so there you hilarious. go. Hilarious. 
The correct answer is C. Boise is not <laughs> the world. Okay, okay. I knew but it was actually. Yes, okay, yes. All right, there you go. You guys are doing great. Okay, question <laughs> number... Learn our, homes, our yes, new homestead. Yes. Well, these are pretty obscure. I'll give you a pass for that. Okay. All right, question number two. We're going to try a fill-in-the-blank question. Okay, now, Christina, this one's tw- this one's for you specifically. Okay. Or may- well, it's directed at you. You can, you can you know, take your lifeline as you uh, see fit. <laughs> but um, uh, I know that you've got experience as a vocalist, right? Mm-hmm. And, as an, and as an alto specifically, which folks may know is the lower of the registers of the female voice. Now, this vocal range has given us many iconic voices from Sade to Tina Turner to Patsy Cline to Billie Holiday. But what many people don't know is that when it comes to male voices, the alto is usually considered the highest register and is usually achieved by falsetto or head voice. Some male singers, Christina, have perfected this head voice into a register which we now refer to as blank. A super high and beautiful voice sound, and there's lots of evidence of this with people like Mitch Grassi from Pentatonix or Dimash or David Phelps. Oh, what is that register? You know what that register is called? I didn't know that they had actually like solidified it. Yeah, but, I, but we do like it. Yeah. Any guesses? Any guesses as to what that would be called? Oh. It's not going to be like a, it's not like a. I want to say it's going to be like a soprano, but if it's if it's already an alto, yes, become a falsetto. Oh, that's funny. We don't know. No, <laughs> no, no worries. It is countertenor. Oh, the the countertenor. Yeah, it actually came back into vogue in the 20th century. It used to be called a variety of different things, but it's when you really perfect that male falsetto voice. And there's people who can riff up and down in these uh, uh, additional trivia. My brother, who is a singer, is a countertenor. So that's how I knew that. (laughs) That's amazing. All right. Well, redemption is at hand, though, because this question you you get right no matter what, because it's basically whatever you want it to be. And that's because it is a time machine question. There's always a time machine question. Okay, so here 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 goes. Here goes. You find yourselves in Rome in 1891 through a twist of fate. You're brought in as advisors to the papal court of Leo XIII precisely during the months where he's putting the finishing touches on Rerum Navarum. Wow. <laughs> the, do- the, document ge- the document generally seen as the first major application of Christian principles to the modern economy. You are aware, of course, that this encyclical will form the framework for Catholic thought around a just economy. It will propose a variety of social teaching, like supporting the rights of labor to form unions, rejecting both socialism and unrestricted capitalism, while affirming the right to private property. The Holy Father is taken with your unique perspectives and asks you to weigh in with the theologians and professors who are composing the final draft of the document. Wow. Now, with without revealing your time travel credentials, what, if any, feedback do you offer them? Wow. I would put together a marketing and formation effort that would say, okay, this is how you're now going to take this document and guarantee that the lady understands it, knows it, and puts it into practice. Wow. Nice one. That's actually, I, I didn't think you were going to go there, but you know what? Sorely needed in most cases with these documents. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, distracted, like just sitting at the feet of, of Leo the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> I 
He's a prophet. He's just um, really awesome. I would tell him, tell the people that the hundred years reign of Satan will end. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Don't yes, just say. Yes. Don't just say. There's that, but <laughs> but it's going to end, and then what to do next? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that would it would definitely be an auspicious room to be in. Yes. I think you get a lot of you get a lot of inspirations in that room for House of Royals, no doubt. Yes. Oh my God. Awesome. You guys, such a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you so much for playing the game. And again, God bless you on everything that you guys are doing. And may the Lord continue to prosper everything that you guys uh, are up to. God bless you both. Thank you. God bless you, you too. And if you're listening to our voices, that means that now would be a good time to subscribe and to share this show, particularly this episode, with anyone who you think can be moved a little closer to God or who can learn something interesting from it. And we will see you again next time on Living the Call. If you enjoyed this episode of Living the Call, please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star review. Tell someone you love about the show and spread the word. Living the Call is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can learn more about the organization behind the show by searching for the Catholic Association of Latino Leaders on any social platform or by going directly to call-usa.org. That's C-A-L-L-U-S-A.org. Living the Call is produced by Manu Castan and Diego Carranza and our friends at Juan Diego Networks. God bless you and thank you for listening.